Jacqueline's wedding biocast. Yes, my favorite Dracula song of all the Dracula songs. And we were just talking about how big Dracula is in, in general. Mm, okay. He's a big, big dude. Okay, we better get going then, will we? We shall, we shall. So let's talk about Brammy Boy. Well, should he do the one for the book thing? Yeah, yeah we're, that's our podcast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. So my name's Adam. And I'm Kelvin. And this is One for the Books. Uh, me and Kelvin have done individual research on a certain topic. And then we are going to come together and discuss. So you're seeing the live, live first time me and Kelvin talk about our findings. Yes, and it is definitely the first time. We didn't spend the last 20 minutes trying to talk about it and then exactly. it didn't record. Yeah, Perfect. <laughs> so we are one for the books, baby. So today we are doing uh, Dracula by Bram Stoker. It's not a book club. We're doing a bit of a deep dive into Bram Stoker uh, and his upbringing and seeing maybe what what sort of Irish roots and stuff he um, can acclaim for the uh, success of Dracula. Yes. The, the story and the character. Yes, and you cannot get any more Irish than being born during the famine, which Bram Stoker <laughs> was. Now, he was born in 1847, 8th of November. I don't know what star sign that makes him, but he was cool. And he was born in Clontarf. Uh, growing up in the famine is probably not the best thing. Yeah, uh, so 1847 was like Black 47, the worst year of the famine in Ireland. Uh, but I'm sure because he was coming up in Clontarf, he wouldn't have witnessed it as, as hard as people would have got it in the west yeah and his parents were kind of well off at that time so they weren't wasn't much of an issue yeah he came from quite a medical background so he I'd say he was never short for a pound didn't he although he couldn't walk for like the first seven years of his life he didn't have really the best upbringing yeah so he was he was bedridden until he was seven and he spent a lot of time indoors like you know away from sunlight uh, which is kind of the first theme that will be kind of like kind of needling through the, the rest of the rest of the podcast yeah and I'd say you become very creative when you're just in bed for seven <laughs> years yeah and your mom reads you horror stories and tells you about horror stories that she made up yes and from her childhood yeah cholera cholera yeah. happened in the 1830s so Charlotte Stoker am I right Charlotte Let's go Stoker okay you fact check me on that Charlotte Stoker um, grew up in Sligo during the cholera pandemic in the 1830s and she what what she was a witness to was um just horrific like pe- like people being uh, subject to the cholera epidemic. Um, Tell so us what how bad cholera was, Adam. Cholera report from Adam. How bad was cholera? Well, I'm sure we actually talked about this in one of the previous. We did podcasts. in our disease but episode you, you, one, maybe. But you literally had people walking around Sligo, Sligo at the time, anyway, um, stupefied from the opioids that they would have been on because of cholera. Um, so you had people being buried alive but because they looked dead, but in reality they were just knocked out. So it's just these are the kind of things we need to look out for in terms of being buried alive, all this kind of stuff. So uh, there's a great story on the RTE documentary, that, uh, on the Radio 1 documentary that they had about Dracula, um, where a woman was really struggling uh, uh, with cholera and her husband carried her to the hospital and wrapped like a red band, like bandage or like a cloth around her waist to stop the pain. So then she went to the hospital uh, and the hospital pronounced her dead and the husband tried to find the body so he could give her a proper burial. And he went to the cholera pit where they all were and he saw the little red red a little bit in of the of the cloth and he goes in and gets her and he finds it's still life in her so there was a lot of um there was actual like proof of people being yeah and ireland at the time was 
We were suckers for any folklore or supernatural things, banshees, fairies. We loved it. So, so any, any vampire stories would be people would love to run with it. Yeah. So Stoker kind of grew up with Charlotte Stoker telling him all these stories about the famine. And again, there's just when you have to think about the time context in this, like there was a stigma around suicide that if you were if you were to kill yourself you would become a vampire. And the only way to properly, I suppose, kill yourself and not be turned into a vampire, like as old legends had it, would be a stake through your heart or decapitation, which is two ways in which Van Helsing and all of uh, the characters in the book actually did uh, kill vampires. Let's do a quick run through the, the plot for the novel if anyone uh, hasn't, uh, if anyone isn't familiar. Because um, I know Dracula has grown so many different legs and so many different kind of avenues that the actual plot of the novel is uh, is different. So um, it, it's an epistolary novel, which means that it's told in diary entry kind of forms. Uh, so every chapter is a different diary entry from a different character. And it's interesting because you can see all the different actions told through different people. So we have Jonathan Harker, who's like a real estate agent in London, and he moves over to a Romania, uh, Transylvania for a, let's say a month for, to, to live with Count Dracula and to, uh, who who's just this kind of weird rich man who lives in Transylvania in this big castle and as the weeks go on during their business meetings he realises that this is actually getting really weird and Dracula's not who, who, who all, that, all that cracked up to what he is uh, and then something happens to Jonathan the story goes back to London and Dracula is coming back and there's all these really terrible things happen and you know Dra- this is where we get Dracula turned into a bat and all this type of stuff yeah so um which I did find interesting but reading all that is Oscar and uh, no, Oscar what's his name Bram Stoker took <laughs> same thing uh Bram Stoker took a lot from other kind of books and stuff like that he drew a lot from other materials it's like he's not the first person to mention vampires there was yeah. uh, an Irish one called Sheridan Lafana who had the book Carol Carolita Carolita in 1872 and like throughout the century vampires would like get these new every author would add like new attributes to vampire lore whereas like she would add in the whole change into a bat where not many anyone who was doing vampire writing before would do that yeah and before her then like the fangs were introduced and stuff like that so it's kind of a character building over years and then Bram Stoker brings it all together. Yeah, um, I think he's definitely the, the kind of runaway novel uh, of, of like accumulation of all these stories that are being told. And we know that, Drac- that Bram Stoker never actually visited Transylvania and never, like, obviously came into contact with vampires. Uh, they're not real anyway, but we don't know that. <gasps> what? I think we just found our Instagram video. Bombshell. Do vampires exist? Is that going to be it? Yes or no? No, 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 I'm, no. No? Poll. I am the poll. Okay. I'm and I'm saying no. Okay, cool. I'm glad we could have been in agreement. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, um, but he did, stu- sorry, Stoker did study um, European folklore for like seven years uh, while he was a civil servant in Dublin Castle. So anyway, uh, Stoker grows up and he works and he goes to Trinity. Of course. Uh, he's a big sportsman, you were saying? Yeah. For someone who couldn't walk for seven years of their life, Turned out to be a pretty good athlete. He, makes, he made up for all the running. Yeah. So he he spent the next seven years of his life running a lot and then got into Trinity and like was a great athlete. Fair play to him. Yeah, so he kind of finished his studies in like I think maths and science. Maths and, stuff and like science, that. yeah. And then he maths and science and stuff like that. Imagine saying that now. 
Ah, yeah, but we can oh, say that. I study quantum physics. Yeah, we only do three yeah, completely different things. We do English and history. It doesn't yeah, no, true, sound as cool. True. Uh, so, Bram Stoker grows up and wants to work with his dad in Dublin Castle. Uh, I know that his, his two brothers were like stationed in India for a while. So I don't, I'm not sure if they were um, soldiers or they were like part of the civil service. But uh, they both work in, in Dublin Castle, um, Dra- uh, Bram and his father, uh, and are re- kind of quite high up civil servants. Um, so just a little bit more about where Stoker kind of gets his ideas from. There's a lovely, brilliant story about Stoker uh, going over to uh, Marion Square where William Yates lived. Now, do, do, William Butler Yates' house as well. But he's talking to, we're talking about his dad here. And William Yates was this big, like, if you look at his plaque in Marion Square, it's massive because it's like architect, um, scientist, doctor. Uh, A man of all trades. Surgeon like author biographer loads of different stuff and one of the things he went he was in Egypt for a while like in, in the pyramids and stuff and he would tell Bran these stories about him like you know sleeping in these crypts and being woken up by by, by whispers and stuff so obviously a little bit dramatized yeah. but just thinking that Bram Soker would have been in WB Yeats' house when they were younger it's just insane yeah and that he was friends with the Avengers of Riding at the time as I was the saying Avengers before. of Riding yeah Walt Whitman Oscar Wilde and Bram Stoker were friends just sending letters to each other and stuff like that there you go yeah. they'd always flirt in their letters as well it was so nice yeah there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of questions about Stoker and how he spent his spare time um, don't talk about Henry Irvine all right here. Henry Irvine yeah that's where uh, Bram Stoker actually started to get money because he was broke after leaving college he didn't really have much money when he was working in the civil service okay so and he uh, made two investments which failed so not really good with the stocks and stuff like that uh, anyway so he didn't have put his money to Dogecoin no it went down man no Bitcoin no, no. okay uh, 1890s he started working at the Lyceum Theatre yeah yeah Lyceum in London with a young lad called Henry Irving and now Henry Irving was a very talented actor quite flamboyant and a very like kind of um, he was a peculiar man compared to like yeah very narcissistic egotistical type of dude as well and we, we got the idea that that is where Dracula comes from the, the idea of this kind of like hypersexual like uh, Bean who is obviously rich and very full of himself egotistical and we get that impression that that's he resembles Dracula in a lot of ways um, but yeah do you have any more about Henry? Henry? Uh, Henry let's see uh, later on after Dracula is actually released he goes to Henry and says Henry will you play Dracula in my new play that he's going to do in the Lyceum Theatre before Henry sold all of his stuff for the Lyceum Theatre anyway Henry said no that I don't really want to do that for you, Bram. Bram and him fell out then afterwards, and uh, I think Henry kind of knew a lot of Dracula was centered around him, and they kind of had a little fall out about it. It is. Um, so there is this kind of uh, wave of literature going around. Like, st- like I think the idea of Dracula didn't just spur out of nowhere. There's this. There is a movement in literature called invasion literature back then, kind of in Ireland and in Britain, and this is H.G. Wells, uh, who would have done the Time Machine. Um, he it was Rudyard Kipling who done the Jungle Book, and we have R.L. Stevenson as well. These are all authors who wrote about invasion, the uh, cre- invasion literature about creatures coming to Earth and like wanting to destroy all of all of its life. Like H.G. Wells done the day before, the day after tomorrow. No, 
Bullet of the Days. War of the Worlds. Ah, Sorry. okay. Not and then you were talking about Treasure Island as well as one yeah, in that exactly. group. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of like a foreigner coming and like, you know, shaking up, shaking up the, the status quo, whether it was like destroying Earth or destroying the people on it or just changing something. And this is basically what Stoker and a lot of Irish literature, like Irish literature greats were doing at the time. They were moving over to London and maybe they felt like they were those, they were Dracula, they were the those creatures kind yeah. of coming in and changing things. Now, again, this could all be absolute nonsense, but it's maybe probably scholars looking too deep into a book. But it's just something to be considered. Uh, some of the interpretations of Dracula are hilarious. Like some, they make so much sense. All these conspiracy theories they go into about what it actually means. Bats and hanging upside down and everything. Yeah, I seen one about um, that. There's Marxist underlying like. Ideas in it, yeah. There's also another one about how cholera and epidemics and stuff is is like a or Dracula is a bit of a resemblance of how disease can spread. Yeah, because Dracula kind of has all all these different properties. But speaking of, and I'm just gonna knock this out of the way about the landlords. Okay. Uh, so there's a on that RT one at the RT Radio One documentary. Dracula was Irish. It's a kind of um, it's a good study for. Any put anybody that's interested, but I actually taught my my second years a couple of a, a little while ago. Uh, the Dracula comes from Druckulla, which is um bad blood, and this, like in Irish, obviously, and the it's like this idea that the vampires represent the landlords at the time who are like a blood sucking leech, which uh, I wouldn't argue is too, too oh controversial today, but um. Landlords are blood suckers, and Dracula, like Dracula in his castle, sucking the blood out of the peasants, um, which would have been big, obviously, during the famine and stuff. But again, I think that's a little bit of a reach. It, although it is interesting to note that even though Brammy Boy was uh, all for like working for the Queen and whatnot, he was uh, a believer in home rule, and you right. can kind of see his uh, nationalistic views, even though he spent most of his time in England and grew up like he yeah. and Protestant he he wasn't Catholic in Ireland at the time yeah I think you found that like the likes of Stoker like he, this goes back as far as like Wolftone there was a lot of Protestants that who, who could see the sympathetic to nationalists yeah they could see and, the oppression and stuff at yeah, the time but they have neighbours who are Catholic and they have neighbours that are nationalists that saying these people deserve the same rights as us yes they deserve to have their own government or they deserve to resent, have a resemblance of their own government yeah um, I just want to see here to have anything else like so as I was saying about that Drogola landlords thing uh, Senator David Norris uh, which um, I'm not sure if he's still in the Senate but as of as far as I know he is uh, he is related to Bram Stoker like distantly and he said that that's a whole lot of nonsense and it's just a pagan-y type of and it's like and it goes back to the Celts you know the pagan beliefs that somebody would do anything to live forever that yeah. kind of what's the word immortality immortality at any price at any price even if it means sucking the blood from other people yeah Um. and the thing like when this was going around things in the supernatural were still very believable to people like you don't Ireland. have media and stuff to disprove things if you're poor and you're living at Ireland you're going to believe some of these stories like banshees fairies yeah, whatnot. absolutely Um, but yeah I think Nosferatu is a really interesting story and like we're got, Dracula has grown all these legs as I said uh, he has such a massive legacy he's probably well, I, I would say absolutely the biggest vampire in the world yeah second to or, and then second maybe Edward Cullen from one or two top 
everyone's top two <laughs> in from Twilight. But um, yeah, so like we have this the, the first kind of film that comes out about this is in 1922, and it's called no- Nosferatu. N O S F E R A T. Well, bear in mind, Bram, Bram is dead at this but point. Then, yeah, 1906, have- he actually had a stroke. Then he had a lot more strokes in the six years following, and then finally died in 1912. Right, and so he had a pretty rough going out period yeah, as much as probably the same as he had coming in exactly in both of them kind of showed the so darkness of each this kind of concerns Florence uh, Stoker his, 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 his widow so F.W. Murnau made a film in 1922 but he didn't have the rights to Dracula as much as he tried as he wanted to get it off the, the wife uh, Florence so Nosferatu was made without the consent of Florence and they sh- changed uh, Dracula's name to Orlock now I could be wrong. That might have something to do with why we call the why we call them warlocks then. Okay. Those creatures of the night. But I'm, I could be wrong there. So let's not stick to stick to facts. <laughs> um. But anyway, Nosferatu is made. Florence sues um the company, and she gets she doesn't get paid very much, but she gets to destroy any uh copies of the film that she can find. But she only. But there are still a couple of copies did still make it true. Make it true. They were shown. And if you look hard enough, you could probably find it now. Um, I think it's black and white silent film, but it's very it is quite scary and quite um like real. But so many more and probably better Javanis films have come out since then. Um but looking at Dracula as a as a whole, you have we have to realise how big Soaker and Dracula became. Yeah, like afterwards. it's it's the biggest it's one of the biggest Sorry, it is the second biggest novel in the world after the the novel after the Bible. After the novel, the uh, Bible. yeah, the best. It's the second best selling book in the world, uh, translated into nearly every language, and representations of Dracula has featured in over a thousand films. Uh, and this was written in eighteen ninety seven, so I think that it has carried on so long and just had such this massive legacy that we know today. And it kind like, of set the set the way for these like new supernatural books to come out and just. Set like a platform for it. Yeah, like think of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, yeah. Dr. Jekyll and uh, Jekyll and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Mr. Jekyll and Jekyll and Hyde, all of these kind of um, kind we'll of romanticism, like scary stories, all were coming out around this time. And Stoker has definitely cemented himself in this. But the likes of Frankenstein, the likes of Dracula, the likes of Sherlock Holmes and Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, all of these names are forever remembered in, li- in text and literature as a whole. And uh, definitely, I think Stoker has put Dracula very up high in that list. Um, but we're just talking about our favourite Draculas because we have seen so many different Draculas in the past. Um, so, like... I think the, there was the one in The Simpsons as well. That's the one, <laughs> the one they forgot from the list. But we look at we look at The Simpsons, look at Sesame Street. Count, Futurama. Count Chocula and the Count. Yeah. I like to count one, two. Like... There's so many different um things, but obviously even Outcast made a song. Outcast made a song. Dracula's Dracula's wedding. <laughs> what? Funeral wedding. Um, at the minute, as as this one has been recorded, Dracula is out in, on Netflix. It, the Francis Ford Coppola 1992 Ooh. one that has Gary Oldman playing a really cool Dracula, and um, quite a sexy undertones to it. Yeah, it's, co- it's covered in blood and Winona Ryder, and um, there's a lot of like kind of sexual tones to it. Uh, but Which is one of the interpretations you can take from reading Dracula. As a whole, yeah, absolutely. So we have um, Christopher Lee, who is uh, who only passed recently as well. Absolutely phenomenal actor. He played Dracula. Gary Oldman, as you said. Luke Evans, John Reese myers Leslie Nielsen, Jared Butler, Morgan Freeman, and my personal favourite, Adam Sandler. Uh, look, 
and I, I thought that's a bit of a loophole because that's Hotel Transylvania but Dracula has a hotel in Transylvania and opens it up to it for his friends and Adam Sandler plays that Dracula so Dracula has is known like I think I probably dressed up as Dracula at age 6 oh yeah Halloween. do you know the what I mean we all knew, it the, became a phenomenon after like yeah well after I wore that costume, after Adam after Adam after I wore Dracula, that costume everyone knew about Dracula just, everyone changed their opinion on it and was like you know what that's really cool yeah but um yeah and I think the last what I just want to kind of the last kind of note there is the Vlad the Impaler story yeah so Vlad the Impaler is a Transylvanian warrior and I, I think it's impossible to not say that he has some sort of yeah uh, like resemblance we have Wallachia Vlad the Third Dracula is his full name and his like nickname is Vlad the Impaler so the idea of like impaling people putting them in coffins with like sticks or like you know throwing them onto like a ground full of pointy, pointed sticks he was like a really cruel ruler in Transylvania so that yeah. kind of has something to do with why Dracula was put into Transylvania. Yeah, I think definitely that is probably the biggest draw that he has from. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the biggest fact that we can yeah. definitely rest on. And the fact that um, I think Stoker was definitely obsessed, not obsessed, but he was he grew up around the dead. It was innate in him yeah. about the cholera epidemic and then the famine. Uh, he grew up quite near a famine plot then in, in Ballybuck, which is quite near Clontarf. And if you were to like walk to um, Croke Park you like through Clonliffe Road Ballybock is just just a bit further ahead thanks Um, bit of a rough and ready episode here I think it was good all over the place ah, we, we enjoyed we, it we don't work off a script like most history podcasts but I think that's yeah we like keeping them short and sweet so people actually like listening yeah, to it yeah we're trying to make the information as accessible as we can so yeah for the listener uh, for so. any future episodes anybody has any recommendations we're always taking yeah um, we're always taking um ideas uh, remember to follow our Instagram yeah uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube listen we, to us on Spotify and if you're listening to this on Spotify mm. watch us on YouTube or Apple Podcasts too we're um, there yeah. too and if case. you're on Apple Podcasts please rate us out of five uh, the more you do that the more we can we perfect are. do we have anything else that we can plug nothing um, personal Instagrams but no no the clothing fit the clothing fit do you yeah that is here? one Calvin's jumpers from the clothing fit do you have fit? any like songs that you're releasing or anything uh, nothing as of yet okay well keep okay. your eyes out cool so um, as far as texts go as English um, students as well do it Dracula class um, say it say the catchphrase oh, oh sorry it's absolutely one for the books yes okay thank you thank you perfect okay bye thanks guys thanks so much guys all the best love you ah uh, I'm gonna keep that